Well, I want to welcome all of you. There's a lot here tonight during this holiday season and a lot out. For those of you who are listening online, we appreciate you and those who will come later visiting our website and perhaps view this class. We hope it's encouraging to you. We're drawing near to the end. And tonight, I think it's appropriate in this season uh, <clears throat> that the world claims love and thanksgiving, but our thanksgiving is regifting. Our thanksgiving is throwing away or becoming bored with things, you know, like children do. Children want a specific thing and they wait six months for that thing to come and it comes and then they play with it for about a week and somebody's got something better and, and it's old. Is, is our thanksgiving like that to God? <clears throat> or our prayers just thank you for everything we appreciate it. Or do we go deeper and, and tell God why we are thankful? Praise God uh, for his love for us, for his benevolence. I think besides uh, obedience, the most precious thing we can give to God is our wholehearted praise, as we talked about last week, but also our thanksgiving. My classmate Cicero Okay. Yeah, I got green and on. There we go. I'm a low tech guy. Cicero said that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it's the parent of all else. For after all, how can we say that we love one another if we're not willing to give thanks to each other? You ever thank someone just for being in your life? Someone who's come into your life and been a great uh, example to you, an encouragement to you? Do we thank each other? more than we thank God. So those are some of the things we're going to look at tonight. Uh, by the way, that was uh, on Cicero's business card that he was a Roman philosopher, and uh, just for your information. But tonight in Thanksgiving, we're going, to thank, we're going to put our emphasis not just on saying thank you, but the emotion involved in Thanksgiving. When you read the Psalms of Thanksgiving, uh, they're filled with emotion. As we studied the songs of lament, uh, the songs of lament were, were times when uh, individuals or the children of Israel were going through extreme uh, things. There were wars, there were threats, there were all sorts of things that were threatening them and, and they went to God in prayer asking him to deliver them from this. And as they were delivered, and as God fulfilled his promise to them and, and answered their prayer and his faithfulness, uh, they gave him thanks. They praised him. Uh, and they made a fervent plea before, but now even more joy 
at experiencing the result. In a number of the Psalms that we're going to look at tonight, and, and maybe not all of them, uh, but in a lot of the lament song, uh, Psalms, there is a vow to God that, Lord, if you will help me during this, we will blank. And so Thanksgiving Psalms are the fulfillment of those vows, that they have joy in their hearts. They have received something that they have asked their Creator, their Father, their Lord for. He has heard them. He has given it to them. And emotionally, the Thanksgiving Psalms are at the opposite end of Lamentations. And we talked about that last week to some extent, and we re-looked re at that chart we had at the beginning uh, where we showed from book one of Psalms to book five, the coming out of captivity, how the number of laments diminished and praise and thanksgiving Psalms increased to God. And so they express their fear and desperation at one time. Now they're expressing their joy and their renewed trust in God. Do we renew our trust with God? Not just once a year, not just occasionally, but every day when that sun sets and maybe we get ready to go to bed, do we reflect on the day? How God has been instrumental in our lives, not only in feeding us, not only in clothing us and giving us warmth, but has he taught us? Has he reaffirmed his faithfulness to us and we to him? And so it, it is important, as we said, that our thanksgiving not just be a simple passing thank you or I appreciate that but a, an emotional thanksgiving, especially when God has answered our prayers to help us endure whatever a trial or tribulation we may be going through, whether it be health or financial, marital, familial, what, whatever the, uh, the difficulty we're having and we have prayed to God, do we ever reflect on that? We talked a little bit uh, last week or I mentioned a little bit about how wonderfully our bodies are made and we talked about the different systems that God has put into our bodies to heal the body, to care for the body, to distribute nutrients and things and we mentioned the brain. Memory. Memory is a wonderful thing. For those of you who have experienced uh, dementia or Alzheimer's with your parents or with someone else, you know that memory is something that is precious. And unless you've experienced someone who doesn't remember you or doesn't remember the past with you and struggles, struggles to find that, our memories are wonderful. And God has placed that there so that we can remember his goodness and we can remember his justness, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his mercy, his grace. And we could go on and on and on. But so often, uh, 
we, we have selective memory. And we don't always give God the thanksgiving that he deserved. Uh, one commentator talked about the Psalms of lament and the Psalms of thanksgiving as being like the clamshell. They fit together. They go together. And they should go together. And I put this up here, that the difference between the two is that uh, the Psalms of lament are crises in progress. We lament to God and we're desperate and we're afraid and we don't know what the future is going to be and we pray to God. And then the Psalm of Thanksgiving is past and remembered. Remembered. So the difference between the two types uh, is quite evident and they're quite different. Now, there is a kind of an argument between scholars Again, going back to Hebrew, uh, the word hoda. Hoda uh, is used here as an expression of thanksgiving psalm, but it's also an expression of praise psalm, simply because in the Hebrew language, there is not a specific word for thanksgiving. Or praise, and so they're used uh, for the same word. Hoda is used for the for the two words, and that's not a, a thing I'd rather get into an argument about because I don't think you can have praise without thanksgiving. I don't think you can have thanksgiving without praise to God. They're interchangeable, and so that's just kind of a uh, another Hebrew for those of you who are studying Hebrew along with me. Uh, that's just a just a benny. So uh, we today emphasize and need to emphasize something that we've come to realize about God in our thanksgiving. That he is a God who's not far away. He is a God who hears us. He is a God who cares for us. He is a God who wants us to succeed. He's given us everything that we need to do that. How often are we thankful for Jesus? Well, we do that on Sunday morning. How often do we express thanksgiving for recovery from dangerous illnesses? Well, we do that occasionally on, uh, in services with our brothers. How often do we thank God truly from the heart, remembering what he has brought us through. What he has enabled us to endure. And so it might also uh, be worth the time uh, to look at the difference between gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude is an attitude of the heart. Thanksgiving is outward praise. If I show gratitude to you or if I tell you... Uh, I am indebted to you. That's from my heart. If I tell you that I'm thankful for you, that's my verbal expression of that. My heart expression is how I not only express that, but how I uh, express that with my lips, but how I express that with my heart. And so the two are combined. 
And when you look at the Psalms and you look back at the history of the children of Israel, especially during the Mosaical period, when time after time after time they struggled with thanksgiving to God for their release from bondage, for their care in the wilderness, for their food in the wilderness, for their shoes that never wore out, for all of the things that God did to lead them, parting the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land and they were told to offer thanksgiving offerings or thanks offerings. You go back to Leviticus uh, and some of the Psalms, Psalms 27 and Psalm 64 talk about giving thanks offerings. How do our offerings of thanksgiving compare to those of the children of Israel in the way they should be? They should be done heartily, holy. They should be set apart. But they should also be without blemish, not maimed, not distorted. They should be pure, pure from the fruit of our, uh, given as the fruit of our lips and given as our, uh, from our heart. The Thanksgiving Psalm may not be a separate uh, category from the praise Psalms, and it may not be uh, separate from the lament Psalms or some of the other Psalms that you may uh, discuss. Uh, but this idea of thanksgiving and praise together is an important idea when you study the thanksgiving psalms. Praise needs to be given to God as we thank Him. What if there were no God? Did you ever think about that? What if we were left on our own and everybody did what was right in their own eyes? Or in the days of Noah when everything in their heart was evil? We have a God, a creator who created us in his image, surrounded us with nature, did not create man until everything was ready in creation on the earth so that man had everything that he needed for life here on this earth. Oxygen, water, food, work, beauty, mysteries for man to consider God who made him. And so how important is thanksgiving to us? Is it something that we dwell on or do we dwell more on, uh, God, I really need this. I sure would like to have this. This promotion would mean a lot. That's worldliness, isn't it? Sometimes. It's not always. Sometimes we may need a promotion or something in a job to bring us closer to God or whatever the case may be that we're asking for. And that's what the things that we ask for should be. The things that we ask for should be things that are going to make us grow, the things that are going to make us better Christians, the things that are going to make us stronger brothers and sisters, stronger and brighter lights in the world, 
things that are going to glorify God eventually. God knows what you need. He knows what you want, too. But he's not always going to give you what you want. But he is going to give us what we need. And so gratitude is an important spiritual value. It's the central element of worship. We talked a little bit about this in praise. When we come to worship, do we come to worship in our hearts, seeing God eye to eye and face to face as we praise him? Do we carefully consider the words that we're singing and what they mean? Do we sometimes amen a song? In our prayers, are they repetitive phrases or are they heartfelt desires for God to understand that we are totally his and that we have come together to worship him and we have pleas that need to be made on behalf of our brethren, on behalf of sinners in the world, on behalf of this congregation and its needs, on behalf of the elders who lead, the deacons who serve, and every single member here who works and strives to be the best he can. I'm going to stop now and see if you all have any comments or questions. Nobody? Wow. Okay. The whole idea behind Thanksgiving is respect for God. Respect for Him. He might be a God as the worldly uh, ideas of gods have been. That he, He'll hear you when He's ready. Or maybe He's on vacation. Maybe He's sleeping as Elijah said. Maybe He's too tired today. Maybe He's just going to give that jump. But he's not a God like that. He's a God of holiness. And we need to, as his children, experience the thankful heart and appreciation daily of what God has done for us. And that needs to be also with remembrance. It doesn't get any easier as you get older. And God is with us throughout our lives if we're close to Him. And He wants, as I said before, us to succeed, to be in Christ, as David said Sunday, and to enjoy the blessings of having a joy that is full. And so we look at prayer and singing. They're the two most common things that we have for Thanksgiving, isn't it? Anybody know of another one? Well, I'm, I might add, and this is just me, the way we live our lives. Do we give to those in need? Do we say God has graciously given me these resources and my brother needs them or sister needs them? I'm going to share. That's thanksgiving. That's praise to God. And so we need to understand that God has com 
repeatedly commanded active giving of thanks. Yes, same. Wait, we get the microphone up to you. I'm notorious for not waiting. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about throughout the Old Testament, they could bring offerings and sacrifices and show their thanksgiving. And, and now, just like you said, there are so many things that we can do to thank God without necessarily giving some you know, things back to God, which, which we can in our, in our offering on Lord's Day. You know, we can think about supporting the Lord's work and preachers and so on. But we also, just like you're saying, can, what, what's the saying that they used to pay it forward or, or something like that? You know, you, you can give that to other people. Sure. And that can be an expression. We may not think about it like that, but it, it really is. Yes. And isn't it wonderful to be able to do that? To be able to help your brother in need. Have you ever, have you ever seen someone in need and not been able to help them? I don't think any of us have. We can help in, in, in many ways. But God has given us so much. And sometimes when I pray, I tell God there's no, there's no time and there are no words in human language that can express the true gratitude and thanksgiving uh, that I have. Looking at my life, where I've come from and what I've experienced and my stumbles and my falls and my jumps over the cliff even. And God brought me back to be able to proclaim his word and to do what I can. We need to never forget the lessons that we have learned through our trials. And if you've been through a trial and you have not learned many, many lessons about God's faithfulness, about God's promises, about God's willingness and eagerness to hear from his children, and so many more things that I don't think we're in tune with really giving the proper thanksgiving and praise to God. It has to be not only from the heart, but it also has to be exterior. Tali? See, I got to be David's police tonight. Stop. I was just going to say just a, a careful, thoughtful um, meditation or examination of his word and studying it is showing your gratitude for his revealed word. That's just a thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to be busy daily doing these things, thanksgiving, praise, even lamenting. Yes, ma'am. Sean. Boy, I like this. Get closer to them and get more comments. I think the real test is when we don't have, I think we're so, in this country, we have so much that, I know in, in the past I've thought, wow, if I could just have this or that, I would be happy. Um, and then you, you hear, I heard a sermon, and it might have been here, I can't remember where, but um, the poorest person in America 
is richer than 95% of the rest of the world. And so it's, it's easy to be thankful when we have so much, even though a lot of times we have a difficult time doing that. But I think the real test is when things are rough, when things are tough, when we're sick or, you know, we have a family member that's struggling or we lose our job or we don't have, we still have to be thankful. And I think that's a, that's a huge um, test for us. Oh, absolutely. And uh, unless you've been to the alleys in Africa and the Middle East uh, and even in Europe, uh, various places in the world, and seen absolute poverty, absolute poverty, where children and adults and families are digging through piles of trash, where in North Korea, they walk along the railroad tracks just to find little pieces of fertilizer that fall off the trains to eat. You don't understand how blessed this nation as well as many others are. But even in our blessed nation, there's still those alleys of poverty, those alleys of need, those backwoods of absolute poverty that need to hear the blessings of God and we need to help do that as we can. John, did you have, oh, you're helping out. Oh, okay, well, good, we got two tonight, that's good. All right, now, how does the Thanksgiving Psalm look? Well, usually we have the introduction, then we have a restatement of the narrative or a national lament, something that they had hoped for before trouble that they had and God had answered their prayer. Then we have them giving an account of God's salvation or deliverance and the conclusion. But understand, they may not all have the same uh, form. Uh, there are various uh, additions to this. There's a call to worship as we see in Psalm 117, Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And then there's a, this uh, a conclusion that after uh, thanking him, there is a further call to praise him and to worship him. There's a large amount of variation, as I said, and there's two basic kinds. I want to hurry this along and uh, get to some of the psalms. We have individual psalms of thanksgiving. Can you name someone who gave thanksgiving? Maybe in book one. King. Good slingshot artist. David. David. And then we have community, uh, uh, community thanksgiving as well. So there's, there's two types. And the nature of these psalms, uh, they follow uh, some of the early psalms of victory, such as the Psalm of, of Moses, or Song of Moses, the Song of Deborah, back in Judges 5. And so let's look at some individual psalms. Turn, if you will, to Psalms 107. And as we're turning there, I'll be happy to entertain any comments or questions you might have. In Psalms 107, it's a unique psalm. And we look at the central portion of it 
that is verses 4 through the end of the chapter, verses 4 through 32, not the end, but close to it, it consists of four sections talking about four different groups uh, that were in distress. Verses 4 through 9 talk about desert travelers suffering hunger and thirst. Now those who travel through the desert, and they still do, the Bedouins still move uh, annually through the deserts in, in uh, Kuwait and, and Saudi Arabia and Iraq. Except now, not only do they have camels, they have RVs, air-conditioned RVs. But back then, they didn't have those. They had to make sure that they knew where water was, that they had sufficient amounts. And often, they didn't. And they became hungry, hungry and uh, thirsty. Verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way and found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in uh, in them. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Then you have verses 10 through 16 talking about prisoners. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, verse 10, because why? They rebelled against the word of God. And... Uh, Contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. Then they cried unto... You can answer. The Lord. They cried unto the Lord. Verses 17 through 22. Fools, people who are sick because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw uh, near unto the gates of death. Then they cry to the who? Lord. Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. And finally, verse 23 through 32, we see the seafarers out on the storm. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in the great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raise the stormy wind which lifts the waves thereof. They mount up into heaven. They go again into their depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Anybody ever been out in the ocean? In the deep ocean? And seen the waves? Maybe from an airplane or a ship? I tell you, if that doesn't amaze you, Nothing will, and particularly in a storm. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. There's their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord. So here are four examples of lament. Four examples of in that lament, they go to God. And in verse 29, he makes the storm a calm so that the wind or the waves thereof are still. Then they're glad because they be quiet. So he brings them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of elders. Now here's that word, Hoda. Do you also think after that storm, 
You go back and look at Paul being shipwrecked after that terrible storm when they thought nobody would be alive. Do you think they gave God thanksgiving? Do you think they remembered? We need to be like that. And so each group cried out unto the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks. And the final verses of that hymn are, are uh, a hymn extolling the providence of God in the lives of men. Tomorrow, if it comes, if God wills, it's going to be cold. It's happened before. When I was in Korea, I experienced 40 below, so this is I probably wear flip-flops tomorrow. But how, how many of us are worried about the next three days? How many of us wonder if our heat's going to go off or our water's going to break or we're not going to get to Kroger in time to get some bread and milk and eggs to make French toast for the weekend? We don't, do we? Why? Because our trust is in God. But why is our trust and thanksgiving in God? Because of what? Our memory of how God has brought us through worse. Of how God has always provided exactly what we needed. Comments or questions on Psalm 107? <clears throat> okay, rushing along. Psalm 18. What is Psalm 18 about? That's back in the first book. Psalm 18, what happened? Well, let's look at the superscription. What does it say? To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord who spake unto the Lord. Here's that phrase again. Who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord did what? delivered him from Saul. And so we see this psalm where David says, I was confronted by death. And he was. At one point, he and Saul and uh, his men were in the same cave. Close. Too close for comfort. He was being chased. He was hungry. He ate the showbread because he was hungry. God delivered him. Why? Because he spoke unto the Lord. And so David attributes his deliverance to his own trust. Another word, to his own memory, his own experience with God. He remembered how God had rescued him from whom? Big guy. Goliath, when everyone else was afraid and hiding and, and this one man had stopped the army of Israel and that still amazes me. It still gives me reason to wonder how that happened. But David, when he went out to Goliath, said, I'm not afraid of your spear. I'm not afraid of you. Because what? Who is going to help me? God 
I come in the name of God. And today I'm going to scatter your head from your body and the birds are going to feed off of it. And it's all going to be over before it happens. Let's look at Psalm 31. Psalm 31, being delivered from enemies. <clears throat> A Psalm of David. He repeatedly throughout this psalm calls God his rock and his, verse 3. What is it? Fortress. What's a fortress? Well, you may, you may drive to Fort Campbell or Fort Bragg and you go through the gate and you don't see any walls or anything. You may see some fences around the housing area or whatever. But back in these days, a fortress was built to contain a city. There were walls around it with watchmen and watchtowers and guards. And I forget what you call them, but the things where the archers stood. Hmm? Parapet. Parapet. Yeah, there were two of them. There were two pets, a parapet. Yeah, a dog and a... Now, there were parapets and turrets. For defense. But David says in the first verse, In thee, O Lord, I do put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me and deliver me speedily. God is our rock and our fortress. If God be for us, who can be against us? Fear not man who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul. And so in verse 5, David says, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me. How many of us tonight are redeemed? Boy, just a few. No, wow. We got to do some more preaching, Leland. <laughs> I understand. We're all redeemed in the name of Christ. What do we fear about weather, about war, about drought, about disease, about whatever may come in this life? Our God is our rock and our fortress. Do we ever give thanks to God for that? Do we ever give God thanksgiving from the heart that we live in a nation where we don't have to fear being found with the Bible, being found teaching Jesus Christ or mentioning His Word? People always got on to me when I would pray at the table before eating. And they would say, are you trying to get us killed? Have no fear. I have no fear. We ought to thank God. Every single... Somebody say something? Oh, every single day. Maybe I'm getting feedback from myself. All right. David says, finally in there, he says, Nevertheless, you've heard the voice of my supplication. God hears us. 
God wants to give us the things that we need. But there are some things that we think we need that are not profitable. There are some things that we think we need, but we really just want that are selfish and worldly. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How many times do we ask for forgiveness? How many times do we give thanks to God for forgiveness? And I've got to look in my life. There's some things I don't understand how God forgave me. I've got to tell you that. I don't know. But I am grateful. I am grateful that everyone who wears the name of Christ enjoys the blessing of grace and mercy, justice and righteousness from our living God. It's wonderful. And in the cause of thanksgiving, it's not, del uh, it's not deliverance from an external en enemy, but it's gratitude for his forgiveness. David was thankful. Did David have a lot of things on his conscience? Did David sin? Well, yes, he's human. All of us have sinned and fallen short. And so here he says, but to he who trusts in the Lord, Mercy shall surround him. Do you give God thanks for that? Psalm 66. Here's a communal song as to what he did for Israel and what he did for the individual. What he has done for my soul. How many times after Sunday morning do we thank God for his grace and mercy through Jesus Christ for sending him to this earth to become the perfect mediator, the perfect high priest, the perfect savior, the perfect king. And there's not only reference to thanksgiving, but praise of the lips in verse 13 through 15. And also the burnt offerings that we talked about before. Time's getting away. I may have to just mention Psalms 92 begins with the great value in uh, blessing and expressing thanksgiving to God. And then the Lord is generally praised for his greatness. And he speaks specifically. We need to speak specifically to God about what and why we're thanking him. God wants to hear that. Not a passing thank you, but God, if you had not stepped in, I would surely be lost. God, if you had not stepped in, Things would have been much different. But I give you thanksgiving. Psalms 118. This one speaks of how God answered prayer in times of distress. Emphasizing throughout that psalm. For his mercy endures. How long? Forever. His mercy endures forever. That's all I have tonight. I appreciate your attention and your comments and questions. It was refreshing to hear you speak. Are there any comments that you may have as we close this? Next week we'll be talking about something that ties into this, 
idea of thanking God for His grace and mercy, and that is the Psalms of the sinner and how that will affect our prayer and our praise to God. I hope you're able to be here and God will make that possible.